You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. When we accept God's gift of salvation that is made possible through Jesus, through his life, his death, his resurrection, and him alone, uh, we become new creations. Uh, the, the old stuff, the old pain, the old sinfulness is gone, and all things are new. Uh, God invites us into the life that Jesus came to bring us, and the Holy Spirit wants to bring about in our hearts and lives here and now. Uh, we, we kicked off this new message series, Life and New Creation, last week, and this morning we want to continue it. Today, the message that we're going to um, have is, is called Empty Wells. Empty wells. Now, I grew up out in the country. You guys know I grew up out in Lincoln County. And when I was growing up back in the 60s and 70s there and the 80s, um, we, had, we lived out in the country. And most everybody that lived in Lincoln County had to have their own wells. There was not county water. There was, not city, there was city water, but we lived out in the country. And so they had not yet uh, had running water out, so everybody was responsible to have their own wells. And we had our own well, and uh, every, you know it was plentiful, the water was good, it actually was better than the city water. That, that little German, it was really tasty, so uh, it was good. But uh, every now and then, you would hear of people whose wells ran dry. And that was not a good situation for them to be in. They would have to, to, to dig another well. In the Old Testament, God calls his prophet Jeremiah to speak to the children of Israel um, on his behalf about their spiritual condition. It was also not a good situation. Um, and in time and time again, Israel had turned from the loving, good, and faithful Yahweh to serve little g-gods, uh, in idolatrous relationship. And God uh, raises up Jeremiah and he instructs Jeremiah to give these words that we're going to look at this morning in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, uh, to the people of Israel. He says this, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Even in this state where the children of Israel have rejected God yet again, I'm struck by the fact that he begins this, this rebuke with the words, my people. Even when we, like the children of Israel, consistently reject God over and over and choose to follow the little g gods, the idols that are around all of us, God still desires for us to be his people, that intimate relationship that he never stops desiring, no matter how sinful we are, no matter how often we reject him. And then I, I, I read the, the second part, they have forsaken me. Our holy God who has need of nothing, he speaks this, they have forsaken me. So our God has need of nothing, but this tells me that our holy God desires. It's a desire of God that we draw close to him, that we be in intimate relationship with him. He needs nothing. He is whole. He is holy, but he desires this. And God describes himself as the spring of living water, fresh, pure, life-giving water, and he contrasts that to the false gods and the fruit of idolatry. 
which he describes as, as broken cisterns that cannot hold water, pots collecting contaminated water, water, rainwater or runoff water that, that was contaminated. But even they couldn't even hold the contaminated water because of the cracks. And although we now have elaborate systems that bring to our church, to our homes, even out in Lincoln County, the place I grew up, it now has city water, county water. Elaborate systems to bring water Still in our world, we have a very serious problem with empty wells and broken cisterns in our hearts and our spirits. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. These broken cisterns, what are they? They're simply counterfeit and futile attempts for us to find meaning and fullness of life apart from God. That's what, that's what this, was, this issue was with Jeremiah speaking to the children of Israel back in the Old Testament, and this is what I want to talk about today because it continues to be a real problem. We are people who are created with a spiritual thirst, and we turn away from this fresh, cool, life-giving, pure water, and we have our own broken cisterns and our own empty wells that collect dirty and polluted water, but they don't even hold that. They run dry. And that's what we're choosing. And we turn away from God and we build systems to, re, to, to contain our latest version of whatever our truth is. But when it comes to giving and sustaining life to the full that Jesus came to bring, these systems, they are worthless and they leave us spiritually parched. Now, what are some of the, the broken systems um, and broken cisterns? It's all kinds of things. You've got your list, I've got mine. Some of the typical ones that we have are money. Some of us you know, spend our lives and our energy seeking after money, power. Maybe even religion could be one of these broken cisterns. Religion that is apart from relationship with God. Maybe it's education. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's entertainment and, and pleasure. Maybe it's being focused on your physical appearance. Maybe it's sexuality. Uh, and each of us, what, what would you add to the list? You know, is it approval of people? Is it a chemical addiction? The list goes on and on and on. Broken cisterns are always empty and they never provide what only God can give us. And that's what I want us to focus on this morning. Um, we, we have water fountains. You've got bottled water. You've got water available in your home and pretty much everywhere when you're out on trails walking. There are water fountains, all kinds of things. Can you remember the last time you were really physically thirsty? I mean, like parched. And maybe some of you, it might be a, a long time ago. As I was thinking about that, I thought about one of my last trips to Haiti. Uh, because in Haiti, um, we had, you know, with the people we were staying with, we had access to, to bottled water, and that was fine. But we were going to do a 10-mile trip up a mountain to Laborde. You've heard us talk about Laborde. This was a mountainous region in Haiti that had uh, no running water, no electricity. And uh, we were taking some supplies up there. The Vineyard Partnership, which we are part of, uh, started a church there, started a school there. And so I, along with our team, were making the trek up to Laborde. Uh, I made a critical error in that before the trip, I did not hydrate well enough. Uh, and I didn't eat uh, uh, enough to prepare me for the journey that we would have. Um, 
along the way, it was sort of that thing. We, were, we had supplies to take, and we, but we had to carry those supplies. And we were going up a mountain. And so it's that balance of, do I take these bags of water that weigh, that, you know, you, you need them, but they also weigh, uh, weigh something. The balance of not too much water, but enough water to sustain us through the trip. I had also bought me a Sawyer filter bottle. Campers out there, you know what that is. So that I could, when I encountered a creek, I, yes, I put my faith in that $20 Sawyer bottle filter system. And I drank water because I, I just was just so dehydrated. And that was one of the most awful physical experiences of my life. It was tough. And we got there to the top of the mountain. We had a wonderful time for about 24 hours with the folks, came down the next day. And man, I had an awful, awful experience with being dehydrated in Haiti, calling my wife in the middle of the night, asking her to pray for me because I thought I was going to die. And as she's praying for me, let's put it this way, my GI system broke loose and I got relief. How's that? Is that too much? Sorry. (laughs) But think about it from a spiritual standpoint, because while we may not be able to relate to physical thirst because we have water in plentiful fashion, there is a spiritual thirst that we all have. And, and we, our broken systems, you know, our broken systems, they're, they're in and of themselves, like the list that I gave you, most of those are usually not neither good nor bad in and of themselves. I mean, let's face it. I mean, money and power are value neutral, aren't they? They all basically go with the value and the power that we assign to them, but they in and of themselves, money can do good things. Money can do bad things. Power can do really good things. Power can do bad things. They're value neutral. It's what we assign to them. Uh, and then it, it's, it's about recognizing that, you know, there are things like education, work. These are good things. God created us to be sexual beings in the context and in the parameters that he, his word gives us, his good and loving word. But the problem is looking to these things instead of God. That's the problem. That's the broken cistern. That's what leads to empty wells. And our sin is the attempt to find living water in things other than God. Um, Christian, um, Christian psychotherapist Larry Crabb, he passed away several years ago. He wrote a lot of notable books. Probably some of you have read some of them. One in particular, Finding God, he says this. He says, sin is simply our effort to supplement what we think are deficiencies in God's goodness. It's trusting ourselves instead of trusting God. And boy, that, that, that's, that's my framework when I sin. It's like, God, I'm choosing this path because I don't, I, I don't trust you to be faithful to your word. I don't trust you to satisfy me, so therefore I'm going to choose to drink from this polluted well. This broken cistern. Throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, and today, God continues to invite us to himself, the spring of living water. God says this through another prophet, Isaiah, in Isaiah 55, Come all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. That invitation is still available to all of us. Jesus, the Son of God, he comes to earth, and part of his mission is to reveal to humanity as the Son of God who 
God the Father is. That's part of his mission. Uh, revealing, putting on flesh. Who is God? What does God look like? How does God respond? And so in John chapter 4, Jesus shows us uh, how the Father would respond to a woman who has dug uh, an empty well and who is drinking from a broken cistern. She is a Samaritan woman. She is at a community well. Many of you probably know this story very well. Jesus is crossing all kinds of cultural boundaries uh, as he encounters her. First of all, Jews and Samaritans, they hate each other. And then also a, a Jewish man in good standing would never have any interaction with a, a Samaritan woman or any other woman other than his wife or maybe a daughter in public. We see Jesus doing this here. And uh, let's pick it up at verse 7 of John, John chapter 4. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Uh, John tells us parenthetically. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep, and where can you get this living water? Are you greater than Father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And of course, Jesus is speaking uh, in, in, in a spiritual sense of, of, of eternal life uh, spiritually. But of course, she is taking it literally uh, and, and in, the, in an earthly realm we need to always remember as we read the words of Jesus and all of his interaction that Jesus, another part of his mission, is bringing heaven to earth. Bringing heaven to earth, and he is, he's offering her that here, bringing the life of heaven to earth. So Jesus tells her, go, call your husband and come back. And she replies, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband what you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. In our, in our brokenness, all of us, just like this woman here, we cultivate a thirst for, for stagnant and contaminated water that eventually destroys us. In this case, in her story, 
It's a series of broken relationships that she had had. She had had a number of marriages. We don't know what happened. We don't know the details. Um, We don't know whose fault it was. Uh, We don't know what kind of emotional trauma maybe that she experienced in her life that made it maybe difficult for her to form lasting emotional bonds. But she knew her life was in a mess, and Jesus knew her life was in a mess, and she knew that Jesus knew her life was in a mess. And I got to say, I am so thankful that the same is true with us today. Our lives can be in a mess, and Jesus can know that our lives are in a mess, and we can know that Jesus knows that our lives are in a mess, and still Jesus comes to us. Not with condemnation, not with rejection, but he comes to us and he meets us right where we are and he offers us life-giving water just like he did to this Samaritan woman. In their discussion, Jesus doesn't recommend a book. He doesn't recommend a podcast. He doesn't recommend a self-help program. Uh, He doesn't recommend counseling. And all these things can be really good. I'm a big fan of all these things and have availed myself of them. But it's first things first. The solution for the Samaritan woman for all of us is cultivating a greater thirst for God. And that's what he's talking about here. Uh, the, the thirst that only he can satisfy. And, and be careful not to fall for the lie in our highly uh, cerebral, westernized, modern world. Be careful not to fall for the lie that if I can better understand my situation, then I can solve it. It's good to have self-awareness. It is good to, to learn as much as we can. But there comes those points that only God and only his work in our hearts can, and lives can bring healing, can bring the satisfaction that we need. And to deal with these deep issues of the soul, we need to cry out to God, just like David did uh, in the Psalms. One in particular, Psalm 63, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. You ever been there spiritually in that spiritual desert? Let this be the cry of your heart. Yeah, gain the understanding, get the resources that will help you, but don't let them get in the way of that encounter with God. Seek first the active rule and reign of God in your hearts and lives. Then everything else is going to find its proper place. Whatever you recognize as your empty well or your broken cistern, just like the Samaritan woman did, talk to Jesus about it. Nothing's off limits. Talk to him about it. He knows already. Sometimes we're like, well, I'm not going to talk to God about that. I don't want him to know that I'm doing that. It's like, really? What is your understanding of God? Talk to him, whatever it is, whatever the, the, the addiction or the, the thirst that you've created for, uh, contaminated water that only eventually brings death, talk to God about it. And just like he did with the Samaritan woman, he will, he will listen, he will hear us in our shame. He doesn't throw shame on us. She came already shameful. I mean, the reason she came at the time of day she came was because she was ashamed of, of her life. She was shamed by her community. That's why she didn't come early in the morning or late in the afternoon. It was cooler because the other women of the community would be there and they knew her story. They talked about her story. 
So she came when no one was going to be there because she came not only with her pots to get water, she came with her shame. And Jesus met her in her shame with her fears, with her frustrations and her doubts. He does the same for us as we just share with him the, the, the stuff that's going on in our hearts and our lives, our struggles. When, when Jesus' conversation with the Samaritan woman started hitting a little close to home, what do we see him doing? Uh, her doing. We see her deflecting. She starts talking about religion and worship. You know, I, I am not in any way Jesus by, by any stretch of the imagination, but it's so funny, even when people find I'm a, I'm a pastor, they immediately start telling me where they go to church. They're like, I don't really care, you know? Can we just be honest? I, you know, uh, and uh, it was so funny when we moved into our neighborhood almost 17 years ago, every person on my cul-de-sac knew I was a pastor before they knew me, had met me. It's almost like there's this, uh, you know, this uh, offender registry that pastors have to sign in for. <laughs> but immediately, well, I go to church here. I was like, great, that's super, you know, like, uh, anyway. So she starts talking about religion, you know, and <laughs> It's funny, but uh, she used religion as a deflection, uh, worship as a deflection. But Jesus turns it around, and Jesus gives us worship as the pathway for the solution to our thirst, our spiritual thirst. He does that over and over again. He did it with this woman here, and he continues to do that. Our worship, as we worship God this morning, our worship welcomes the manifest presence of God. And it does it whether we're doing it corporately or whether we're doing it individually, whether we're doing a simple act of worship uh, as an act of kindness unto God. When someone that has been rude to us, but we choose to be kind to them and love them and encourage them and maybe be generous to someone who's been anything other than generous, that act of worship that we do it unto God, whatever the expression of worship God loves to inhabit the worship and the praise of his people. And we welcome the manifest presence, that tangible experience that God is with me. Emmanuel, God is here. So while she uses it as a deflection, Jesus reminds us that it is the pathway uh, to the solution for that spiritual hunger. Only in God's presence, only in God's presence can we be fully who we truly are sons and daughters of God. And can we realize who we are truly meant to be? As we sang this morning, I love your presence. And his presence is life-giving. Even in the midst of our struggles, even in the midst when we get bad news about situations or health concerns or financial or relational things, we can experience God's presence in the midst of that. And there is peace. There is peace that transcends anything that good counseling, good books, good podcasts, good resources, good classes can give us. Those are great things. But they cannot do what the presence of God can do. And I'm thankful that he invites us to experience his presence. This woman accepts Jesus offer. And we see in John chapter four, how it radically changed her life, her whole view of herself. So she's, she's coming to the well at this unusual time to avoid everyone. She encounters Jesus 
We find that she runs back to her community and the people, the very people she was trying to avoid, she's now going and telling them about the the encounter that she has had with this man who read her mail, this prophet. And she's, she's showing us the reality of what Jesus told her in verse 14. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And she was living that out as she went back to her community to tell them about Jesus. Jesus living water, it gives us the deepest satisfaction, the sweetest refreshment and life forever. And I am so incredibly thankful that I get to stand here today and tell you God's well is not dry. It is not dry. And the invitation to come and to drink and to experience this this deep satisfaction, this sweet refreshment, this life eternal is extended to every single one of us, no matter where we are in terms of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You know, could you describe your relationship with God? If you're a follower of Jesus today, and I know many of you have had the pleasure and privilege of being in relationship with many of you for many, many years, for some pretty recent, and I'm, I'm thankful for that vantage point. And I know that for some of us, there are seasons where the deep satisfaction of being a follower of Jesus is very real. It is very powerful. And there are other seasons where sort of like, if I'm really honest, my relationship with God is sort of ho-hum. Where are you this morning? As followers of Jesus, where are you in that spectrum? Because here's the offer. Yeah, uh, in this world we will have trouble, but take heart. God has overcome the world through Jesus, through his life, his death, his resurrection, through the power of the Holy Spirit who is with us today. He is calling on us to come and drink deeply For some of us, we've maybe have looked to other resources, to other sources of life, but God is inviting us back to deep satisfaction that can only come in knowing him. For some of us, our relationship with God may have grown stale, very stale, stagnant. Maybe there, it was a a river flowing, but the cares of life, or distractions have dammed up the flow of the living water, and all of a sudden what we have, yeah, there's water there, but it is anything but refreshing. It's becoming swampy, attracting bugs. And God is inviting us to invite the Holy Spirit to come and break those dams, to to just burst right through them, to let the flow of his love come into our hearts and lives. And then maybe for some of us here this morning, maybe you don't have a relationship, a personal relationship with God. Maybe you have never personally invited Jesus into your life. You've never received the gift of salvation that comes through him and through him alone. I want to encourage you, make that decision today. Make that decision today to come and to drink deeply from the wellspring. God invites us all with our shame, with our brokenness, with our sinfulness. He invites us to come and to drink deeply. 
His word is very clear that if we come to him, if we come and confess our sin, that he's faithful. He's just to forgive us of our sins. He's, he cleanses us. He satisfies the deep thirst in our hearts and lives. And he wants to do that this morning. He wants to do that this morning. So as you're seated, I just I invite you to bow your heads. I just want to pray over you this morning. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your love. We thank you for your presence. God, thank you that, that you don't meet us to condemn us. That you meet us in love. You meet us with grace. You meet us with kindness. And you meet us with your truth, and we thank you for that this morning. Holy Spirit, we, we just open our hearts to you, and we invite you to come and, and to show us our hearts, Lord. For those of us who are looking to other sources, sources other than you for what only you can give us, Lord, we ask your forgiveness. We confess this as sin, Lord, whether it's the approval of others, whether it's resources and material resources. God, whatever it is, we, we ask your forgiveness. Come, Holy Spirit, and, and just bring that satisfaction, Lord, that, that, that came with our first love. We, we say yes to you, Lord. And God, we're there have been distractions, sins, habits, patterns of sinfulness that have built dams, causing a barrier of the flow of your love, the flow of your life-giving power in our lives. Holy Spirit, come and, and just break those down. Set us free. Let there be a free flow of your love into our hearts and lives. I pray for refreshing for every person here this morning who, who feels just stale spiritually. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and do your good work in this place. And Jesus, we thank you that just like you met the Samaritan woman with her shame, with her fear, with her guilt, you meet us and you invite us into relationship with you. God, I thank you that you love us and that you're for us. And if that's where you are this morning in terms of you've never received God's love, you've never received his gift of salvation through Jesus, I just, I invite you right where you're seated to, to pray this prayer or a variation of it with me. It's really simple. God, I, I acknowledge that I have missed the mark and I have sinned against you, against others, and against myself. God, I come to you and I ask for your forgiveness. And right now, I, 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 I receive the gift of salvation that you've made available to me through your son Jesus, through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection. I put my trust in you, Jesus. I thank you for being my Savior and my Lord. Holy Spirit, I open my heart and my life to you, and I ask you to come and to fill me, to set me free, to heal me, 
to make me more and more like Jesus. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you for your gift of salvation that I receive today. Help me to grow closer and closer to you. If you prayed that prayer this morning, you are a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're a child of God. 